Hey everyone, welcome back to another fabulous week of encounter study. Fabulous. We are looking at it is a fabulous week. We're looking at June 12th. This is lesson number two in our summer lesson. We are continuing on in Job with Dr. Estes. Before we get there, I'd like to remind you if you have not joined us before, please like and subscribe our channel. Share this with your friends. We would love to be able to study the scripture together and uh, dig deeper and understand more. So hit those buttons down below, like, and subscribe. You and can... I am one of your lovely co-hosts, but only one because there's another lovely co-host. I am Reverend Rebecca Zardi. I am the director of ministry with women for the ministry council for the Cumberland Presbyterian church. And I am joined today by my lovely partner in crime, Reverend Dr. Ah, yeah, there here. we go. Get the whole thing um, in there. Yeah, right. Reverend Dr. Most Holy. Um, Do it. I awesome. am the director for adult ministries uh, with the Ministry Council of the Carmel Presbyterian Church. And uh, and a lot of y'all have been here forever. Y'all already know that, but good to, good to say that. Um, also, if you want to buy an uh, encounter for a friend, a neighbor, please feel free to do so. We have those in digital. Uh, we have those in Kindle and paperback form. So uh, don't be shy. Do not be shy. It's a beautiful study. If you haven't used this study before and this is your first time with us, man, you're in for a treat because we got some good information today. We're going to be jumping in to Job chapter 3, verses 1 through 5 and 20 through 26. Let us start with our prayer for illumination. Almighty God, we often do not understand the things that happen to us. Help us to be comforted today through the reading and studying of your word. Open us to deep truths that we might live and think right today. Amen. Amen. Our memory verse this week comes from Job 3.1. It says, after this, Job opened his mouth and cursed the day of his birth. What a fabulous memory verse. Well, you know, there's not a lot of fun stuff in Job. <laughs> But I was thinking about it. Um, so if you pick this up, that memory verse, and contrast it with, you know, when Job's wife says, curse God and die. Yeah. I mean, Job doesn't go far as cursing God, but he does kind of curse his life. Yeah. In a sense. And, and anyway. That's true. That's true. And Dr. Estes starts us off with a really good question this week. This is, this is kind of a, a deep a team i'm sorry my cat is doing something weird i don't know what she is doing she's freaking me out with this is a deep deep study uh and not necessarily a light-hearted study this is something teachers we're going to have to really think about this lesson and students i mean this is really stuff to think about so he starts off with this discussion question can you think of a specific time in your life when you cried out why it may have been in the depths of grief or perhaps a time of serious illness for yourself or a loved one. This is a pretty serious, deep thought. Chris, what do you, what do you got? Have you ever had a time? Yeah. I mean, I think we all have, um, sure. you know, again, I've said before, and I think it's self-evident that some people maybe take something, some, some, something might hurt them deeper than it might hurt you. You might not see why they're hurt so bad or vice versa, but, um, one of the, one of the things that I, I know in society, when we have these like uh, 
talks about, you know, who's privileged, who has what or whatnot. Mm -hmm. I bet you everybody has been hurt down to their soul. Oh yeah. You know, some deep grief and yeah. And we all, we all scream out. I don't Again, I think we all do instinctively when something just painful happens physically, emotionally, whatever we ask why. And, and I don't think it's a bad question. Um, it's a right question because yeah, it hurts. Absolutely. It hurts it. I can think of a couple moments in my life. One, uh, one, I was young. And of course, you know, when you're, when you're very young, um, you don't have, your brain isn't developed enough to have that, that full process of thinking and being able to see in the future. So one of the things that happened, and I think I talked about it in one of the lessons or one of the things that we did here was I had a girlfriend pass away when she was 13. Um, and that was just, just horrendous to me. She was one of my best friends and I just, I didn't understand why at the time and just, well, I don't know that I necessarily understand why now, just, just being able to cry out though, um, at that time. And, and there's of course been a couple other times in my life when I can just remember just thinking, why God, why this, why now? And just trying to wrap my brain around such sorrowful, heartbreaking, soul-wrenching moments. And that's really where we are in Job. Um, yeah. That's what we're really talking about is why, why, why did I even have to be born? You know, why was, why was that a part of it? Um, I think about my kids and this too, because Dr. Estes brings up that why is often one of the first questions that a young child asks. I don't know about you, but that why phase drove me crazy. And I have two beautiful little granddaughters right now and their why phase can drive me crazy too. Cause I'm like, just because I said, so that's all you need to know is just yeah. because Oma said, this is the way it is. And trust me. And yeah. You know, and, and maybe that's, that's something to think about in relationship with Job and, and God is Job's asking why, but at the same time, of course, we know that we don't really get a good answer to that question through the entire book of Job, but just the, do you trust me? You know, yeah. do you have any, do you have any understanding or reasoning that, that while this works, why the universe works the way it does? And yet, why are you questioning me? You know? I yeah. Know. I I'm glad you brought up that. Like when we say why, even in a disaster, Dr. Estes brings up, there's kind of two, two different things of why one would be discovery. Like, why did this happen? I want to know to satisfy sure. my intellectual curiosity. But then another time when you say why, it's just a guttural moan because it hurts. And, and, and you're not even thinking why. But I think a person of faith, as Job was, because he spends the next 28 chapters, really wanting to know why. Like, what, what, what is the nature of God? Why would this happen to me? Was it something I did? Is it something that God did? Is it something else? Like, so Job was doing both. He was, I think a genuine believer who wanted to know why it happened, but then also just a much that, that groan that just, why, why is this happening? Yeah. The disbelief of it. Yeah. Yeah. Okay. So that's where I'm at on the intro. Anything else you want to throw at there? No the introduction. It's just okay. important. It's a universal thing. I mean, pain's universal. Yes. It's across the board it doesn't matter what culture what religion what how much ethnicity. money you got how little money you got yeah it, it 
it hurts no matter what it hurts there's always pain somewhere so let's jump into exploring the scripture dr estes does a really good job what did you think chris what were some things that you pulled out of this so some of the things um we get to that first kind of main argument of job right um he endures all this you know pain losing of his children losing of his wealth losing of his of his uh mm -hmm. physical health or whatnot uh and then you know he he asked the why question why did i not die at birth right or how memory or his misery uh in verse or is it verse 21 in misery he even longs for death where his pain and suffering would be over though death will not come for him mm -hmm. so one of the things is 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 now that that's set up now we're exploring the the consequences thereof like mm -hmm. job's going through this thing of like at first he's 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 wondering why it happened but he's more instead of accusing god he's more just thinking i just wished i was dead i just wish this was mm -hmm. over like i don't yeah. care necessarily why right now i just want it right. to be done and over um so um it's a lament stage at this point Maybe that's the way to think about it. Dr. Estes brings up lament. And I guess maybe that's what we do when tragedy comes. The first thing sure. is shock. And then just hurt. That That's that grown why question. And then maybe then we start in the book of Job going from the, I wish everything, I was dead to, okay, now let's, since I'm not going to die and I've got to endure this, why is this happening? Mm-hmm. Uh, mm -hmm. Yeah, because he he points out, I think it's the middle of page 11. Um, here's Job. He's now unable to attend to his affairs and having lost even the desire to do so. His will to live is comprised by his physical and emotional pain. And so he cries out in despair. And I tell you, there's there's so I mean, if you look at the world around us and you especially the mental health issue that has become so prevalent coming out of COVID or going through COVID. And we recognize um, that people have a, a fair amount of depression and emotional anxiety, things that we're dealing with. And I can see this here displayed through Job, just um, how we in our moments cry out in despair. Yeah, and I get probably part of the historical setting we should point out, which Dr. Estes points out that, you know, we don't have like the medical and professional right uh, attention toward you know psychological issues and, and mental issues that's one thing the other thing job didn't have especially if you think job was written really really early maybe 400 500 bc you don't have you don't have the psalms you don't have jeremiah no. you don't have these other ones um to where you know it's just like he in some sense job was formulating this with him and his buddies like when we yeah. get sad we can say let's go to scripture and then we have a framework to do so. Um, sure. There's a very strong possibility that Job was written a real long time ago before you even had the Pentateuch. Some people think Job was the first book that was written, actually, you know. But, mm -hmm. um, but anyway, point being is that makes it even harder. Like when me and you go through something and we ask why, we can at least go read the words. We can read the red letters. I guess is what I'm saying. We yeah. can find comfort. Um, we had an we have an established community in the church. I don't know right. what their community was because this was before synagogues. So, um, you know, Job had 
didn't have necessarily the, he had resources, friends, which turned out not to be great, but you know, um, but not the same resources that we have available to us. No, not the same spiritual resources in the sense of we have scripture, we have the words of Christ, we have a church community, and I'm sure he had some type of community, but I'm just pointing it out there historically, depending on when Job was written, Mm -hmm. didn't have the same things that we have. Mm -hmm. Absolutely. And so this, this was, you know, this was really a way for him to sit down and think through this whole process. And that's, that's kind of what Dr. Estes points out next, he said, for him, the problems he experienced were fundamentally theological, forcing him to rethink his relationship to God, his understanding of who God is, and his commitment to the Lord, who is not as easily understood as many in his day believed. And that's something else that we need to remember when we're reading through Job and and judging his friends, because I know we've all been there and judged his friends, is that their understanding of a God in that time period was that if you did something against God, this is why you got punished. I mean, that was the only reason that you got punished. It wasn't because you didn't, because obviously you must have. So when they, when they persist and insist that he must have done something or, you know, done something inadvertently, um, that is their understanding of God at that point, at that point in time. And Job is really challenging that thinking for us even later on is this whole thought process of do bad things happen to good people just because they did something wrong or is it just because we live in a broken and dying world i think which we touched quite a bit on last week um just understanding the theological um argumentation that's going on during the whole book of job and and it's kind of neat because it's really kind of a conversation out loud you know, you're kind of looking into from the outside, you're looking in understanding Job's thought process and he's expressing this thought process out loud. It's, and you can see him through the book, just work through these steps and work through his understanding of who God is and his relationship to God. So that's, that's really cool. Very much. Um, you want to hit that discussion question? Just Yeah. Off? says in various verses, both Job and Ecclesiastes 7.1 imply that death is better than birth. Even Paul writes that he desires to depart to be with Christ, for that is far better, Philippians 1.23. Why would they say these things? And what is death for a believer? Yeah. So um, we've probably all heard the phrase, the, the, <clears throat> what is the bend of the universe leads to justice, or what, what is the, uh, what's that phrase? I don't know. I haven't heard this phrase. Is this one of them Southernisms that I'm not? No, 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 no. Okay. (laughs) That I've not heard before. The arc of the universe bends toward justice. That's a phrase that was uh, around um, a lot of times when it comes to like, you know, civil, it was Dr. Martin Luther King uh, that I don't think he's the first who, who said it, but anyway, the point being was, is that eventually when all things play out, justice will be revealed in the earth. The why questions Uh will be answered. Now, I would challenge that if you don't have the gospel. And the reason why I say that's important is because that's wishful thinking. If you don't have a redeemer, if you don't have some active force that's going to make things right, like like we can take suffering and death if at the end we know that God also takes upon that suffering and death and transforms it and redeems it into something good. Uh So, and, and I've said before, 
you live 90 years on this earth if you're lucky 90 years compared to eternity it's literally a blink of an eye it's not less than the pain while you're going through it but right you know but in the grand scheme of things it's not it's nothing you know i've told my children you know that when they're going to college they have to eat ramen big deal it's like three four years of your life get done and go eat steak once you're once you're successful right yeah there you go there you go so why why do you think it is that even paul would say these things just for that reason i mean like if you're done like our christian understanding of afterlife or the you know you die once then judgment eternal life like we don't have a cyclical understanding of history like you know eastern religions that think you're constantly reborn until you get to perfection or whatnot Uh so to die means that you've you know in an eastern understanding like hindu or buddhism or hinduism i guess whatever um you reach nirvana or you you know and and or you get to come back and do it again in another farm yeah and you don't want to do that obviously no so if you don't do it right then you could be on this earth a really really long time but not for a christian you know even for better or for worse you're done after this turn uh and and i think that's why and and paul was confident that he was he was awaiting something better and so if he died sure he leaves his loved ones and he may you know there might be some things that we love on this earth but if christ is truly as beautiful as as we imagine and that we're so deeply in love with christ it might take a little bit to say ah i don't want to leave my family or i don't want to leave these things but it will be overshadowed by the glory and the love of god yeah but you got to get there (laughs) some of that's faith i mean you know absolutely well yeah absolutely you know and and i think that that's hard and this is a hard question for for us to kind of process through because when i've worked in like in-home health care when i worked in nursing homes and especially when i was young i remember the first time i worked in a nursing home well not the first time but i was like 18 and i was i was just beginning my life and so full of life and and enthusiasm and excited and then i would go visit some of the patients in the rooms and they were like I'm just, I'm just ready to leave, you know? And for an 18 year old, that was really hard for me to conceptualize. Like, why, why would you want to, there's a whole world out there, friends. Yeah. You know, I mean, how exciting is life, you know, and here they are, you know, 80, 90 years old. And they're just like, uh, you know, I'm, I'm ready to go home. You know, my family's gone. My kids are gone. My friends are gone and I'm, I'm just ready to go home myself. And that, that is a tough one for us, but I think as believers, you know, what is death for a believer? I think it's just, I think it's just another chapter. It's the turning, it's the literal turning of the page. You're, you're done with this part of it and you're opening a whole new chapter and a whole new book to eternity with God. And what a beautiful place that will be. That would be amazing. Not that we should rush to get there, you know, in God's timing. Um, but that's, that's the beautiful part of, of, being a believer and understanding that yeah and i think this that, isn't the end yeah that shows a little bit of the folly of youth but thank god for it yeah i mean you know what is it the saying wisdom is wasted on the young or yeah you know or no you yeah what if wisdom is not it's not it wisdom is. it's uh i'm yeah. off on my phrases <laughs> today friends 
Youth is We're wasted so on sad. the young. Youth is wasted on the young. Yes. The excitement, the exuberance, the energy, yeah. the life. Yeah. And thank God for it. Like I love seeing people being stupid, young people being stupid, having fun. I love it because you only get X amount of time in this world to be that way. This is true. I had a uh, elder at the Margaret Hank church that I bought a new car and I shouldn't have one day. She's like, well, if you're going to be stupid, you're the age to do it. Have fun. <laughs> nice. Thanks. <laughs> what it's a compliment. True. But it is. Yeah. I mean, it's true. And I, and I love it. It's kind of like um, my dad never understood why kids like, you know, did crazy things with their hair. I wished I could now. <laughs> I don't <laughs> get that choice anymore. But so anyway, I think that's important to know. Like, as we grow older, our bodies hurt. Yeah. We go through experiences. And, right. and that thing that, you know, when we were younger, the world, you know, the sky's the limit. And, you know, it's not true. But you don't got to crush anybody either. Um, no. And then hopefully the the then we can be like Paul and say, yeah, it's better to die because then then I can experience all that has been promised to me and I, and I can understand it better. Yeah, oh, that's good. And I think that does come with with maturation. I think that comes with understanding as as you study scripture and as you physically age. Yeah. It, it makes it makes more sense. I mean, the way I read scripture and the way I understand it and look at like, especially what Paul says sometimes now versus what I understood Paul to mean 20 years ago, it's very different because I'm in a different, I'm in a different place in my life. I'm in a different stage where I can, I can see through and just yeah. go, Oh, I, I get that now. I understand why he would say that. That makes yeah. so much. More and it's sense. hard for us now, but just wait until we're like 85 and every time we, sure. and I'm not saying this in a, in a flippant way, but every time we get up from a chair, it hurts. Or yeah. all of your friends from high school or all the people who were close to you passed away. You probably have, well, they'll, you know, we still got some learning to do too. Yeah, absolutely. Absolutely. So let's dig a little deeper. Not a lot of digging right here. No, um, but he had some really good points. What I'm going to let you go first. Cause I have a good point in this one that I want to hit on. Ask you. Well, about. So, so what do you think? Um, well, when you said that it, it's squandered down in my mind. Um, oh yeah. So like, um, one of the things that I, I will say, like, uh, sometimes in, in more conservative circles, you have a lot of talk of Satan doing this and doing that. And then like in more liberal side, you have like, you know, that whole natural disaster thing or like, you know, God would never do this. But like, like he pointed out here, Job was like, mm, God's in charge. So something bad's happening. I'm not, he didn't bring up Satan and Satan was literally the cause of it. I mean, in some way, like, I mean, it was like Satan was the one who's doing this, but Job didn't waste his time with that. And, and, and he understood that God would at least have to say, all right, go for my servant, Job. Uh -huh. He didn't know that conversation. And I think that might be a, I mean, it presents problems, which we'll sure. talk about in the next section. But at the same time, if you're a Christian person, Satan has no control over you. Right. You're, you're a servant of God. And so, um, Anyway, I don't know where that leads us, but it's a thought. It, it is a thought because that's, that's the thought that I, I had never, I had never really pondered that possibility because his last sentence in this section was for Job, the calamities that have befallen him must somehow be within the divine will, though he cannot understand it. If it is not he, then who is it? He wonders from 924. That blew my mind. I mean, yeah, it's I really worth parking and talking about it. It really is because 
there there like you said there's on some level job then understood even though he didn't understand the conversation and was not privy to the conversation between god and the satan but he somehow understood that god was involved yeah and that and, and that it came through his will that these that these awful things had happened to him and that really just made me think and and maybe i don't know where this leads us either but that that really made me think about situations and circumstances in the world then at 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 some level then it has to just be god saying okay yeah which you know, like I said, that section's not very big. And then he jumps into that in that learning from the scripture section. So we might go there, but yeah, um, let's go there. So, but before we move on, I mean, like, unfortunately, that's that's where we'll end Job. Really, is like, yeah. why? Okay, you don't have to tell us. And then God says, "Not your place." Um, but there's an element of trust and, and relationship. That was the other thing. Like Job yeah. had figured he had a relationship with God. So he knew if God was powerful, at the very least, God would protect him. But since God wasn't, there had to be something. And I think that was the motivation for Job. Like Job yeah. considered God a friend. I think. We, and so like when anything happens in a relationship that goes awry, you're stunned and you want to know why yeah that shock yeah yeah well let's jump into learning from the scripture then um he starts with this english bishop leslie weatherhead yeah and he brings up those three types of divine will and i think that's what you have to think about like you know again you'll never find this you'll you'll never read about quote unquote, intentional, permissive, or ultimate will of God in scripture by word or like by right, term. Right, and right. so what we do in theology or what we do in, you know, our doctrinal studies is to try to define things the best we can. And this is essentially what Job's trying to do. Really, he's trying to ask that, ask and answer that question of why good things yes. happen or bad things happen to good people. And so um, if we understand then these different, or if we categorize what happens in our lives in these three type of categories, the intentional or God's direct will, which is like, um, like in Isaiah, where God says, I create uh, basically peace and calamity, right? Mm-hmm. It's in Isaiah, I think it's 55, where he talks about none, none of my word goes out and comes back void. I do these things, yeah. I, blah, 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 blah. This is God saying, whatever I purpose is going to come to pass. That's the, that's that intentional. And then you have the permissive. That's the allowing for human free will with its sin. That's the garden of Eden thing. Yeah. Or what we had in the first chapter of Job where Satan says, let me go after Job. And God says, okay, that's permissive, but God didn't cause it. Like God was not the cause of Job um, having sores all over his body, but he did allow. He did allow it to happen. Right. And then you have the ultimate will. And that's where you you understand the arc, the moral arc of the universe bends toward justice, but only in Christ. I'm going to say that, or at least in a metaphysical way of saying, because too many people are terrible, get rich, have a good life, and die. Too many good people live poor, get trotted on, and die. Yes. So without that ultimate um, divine judgment, 
divine mercy, whatever you want to call it. Um, that's just not a true statement. Right. So the ultimate will of God is that justice reigns. Absolutely. And right now, what Job is going through, what we're understanding Job is going through is, is what uh, Dr. Estes points in the last sentence of that first paragraph from learning scripture. He says his relationship with God previously has been close. But now he is feeling that God is distant, uncaring, a watcher of humanity. So his, his relationship with God is changing um, right before his eyes. And we're getting like the front row seat of this conversation of him processing through what this relationship actually means then. And what does it actually look like before it was close, but now, but now maybe not as close as it was, but as he processes through, I think we realize in the end that he is, he is pretty, he is pretty close. So, so Job at this point then realizes that he can't, he can't really argue with God. (laughs) You know, there's no, there's no, there's no contest going going on here that, that it's just Job walking through this process of, of why this happened to him and understanding that God is ultimately somehow responsible, but trying to understand why I think it goes back to, so we started with the, the guttural why the groaning why, but now he's in the reasoning why. Like, why exactly did this happen? So he's, he's changed his why That's it's gone from, to. yeah. So this is where we're at now is this is understanding that somehow, um, he doesn't understand why this has happened, but he's trying to figure it out. Um, but still as Dr. Estes, and this is so key. I think this is part of the whole story of Job that we need to understand that even in Job's misery, he does not lose his faith. Yeah, are you going Changes. 13, 15? Yeah, yeah bottom of page 13 there. Well, 13, um, yeah. 15, yeah, Job 13, but yes. Yep, gotcha. yep, correct, yep. That he, he, doesn't, he doesn't lose his faith in God. And that to me is astonishing um, because I know I have been through some things in my life and I've questioned and maybe even wavered, but I cannot imagine going through everything that Job has gone through. And that to me just shows what, what an amazing person Job would have been just this amazing person of faith yeah. who, who is again, is processing through this whole relationship with God and how, how it has changed and why he's doing what he's doing but yet he remains faithful. Yeah. Again, I think what we do is, or I think what Job maybe is the book, the author of the book of Job, again, is showing a contrast between the reaction of Job's wife and then the reaction of Job. It's setting up the foreshadowing. Well, I mean, like, so here's the other thing. I mean, all of Job's friends, of course, they're not the ones that are, you know, in boils and have lost everything, but you know, they defend God. Like not a single one of them, again, not a single one of them ever questioned God. They all have a, a faith, whether it was informed or not, who knows. But um, but then Job's reaction is, even if I die, mm-hmm. I'm still going to trust in him. Yeah. And then I'm not going to push this too far, but <clears throat> and then also in Job here in 
the next section, Dr. Gustus brings up the, uh, you know, the, when I die, I'll see with my own eyes, but, but we'll get there. Right. Yeah. So let's jump into the discussion question for that section. It says, when you're confused, frustrated, hurt, or angry about a situation in your life, how do you approach God? I laugh. Um, <laughs> I've thought about these types of questions. <laughs> okay. So people have different personalities. People are yes. raised different ways. Like mm -hmm. my family, we were the last Puritan family, I think in the world, like very modest people. And we never expressed any displeasure. Like if we saw somebody like fighting, uh, we would be embarrassed for them if they didn't have the good sense not to be right. <laughs> so <That's> anyway, awesome. <laughs> but as I've become a preacher, as I've worked with people in the restaurant business, or one guy in particular, two two people that I think of, one in the restaurant business, he was he was a you know him and his wife, man, they would just have flat out shout outs in the restaurant. Like I would have to tell him to leave. Like she'd come in and just she would just light into him and he would just light into her back, but they loved each other. Uh, they just, they loved each other. If they were mad with one another though, they just let it out. We had a couple like that in the church and it just made me chuckle because like, if I tried to do that, number one, I couldn't keep a straight face because I never get that angry. Um, but then Amy would beat me. So like, there's no <laughs> way in the world that I could do that. But what I learned was just people have different reactions. And then yeah. like, there's no, like if there's no like formula by which to be angry at God, but you can be angry at God. And sure. some people will probably, it, it'll be displayed different ways, I guess is what I'm, I, I would hate for somebody, like if I thought about that couple that I worked, you know, the guy that I worked with and his wife, if if they acted any other way, I mean, they, they desperately loved each other. It was a healthy relationship. It's just, they got mad at each other. Um, But, but I think, well, it'd be weird if, he acted like me in that relationship, right? Or like, and so I, I don't think that there is, I'm glad he says, how do you approach God? Not how yes. should you approach God? Because no. th that's a key difference. Like yes. God made us and we all have our different personalities. And, and I think, but so, and so I say that when you're hurt, you don't fake it like you're not because God knows you're hurt. So yeah. honesty, I, I think, think that's how you should approach God. I think that's the key. Yeah. I think that is absolutely the key because I think all too many times we're not honest with God and our feelings or, or our anger or our hurt because I know when I was a baby Christian, right? I didn't like, I couldn't express that to God because he's God. Like, how could I even think about being or saying things like I would say things to my siblings or consequently my spouse. And as I've grown in my faith, I realized, you know, God knows everything about me already. So if I'm angry and frustrated and hurt there, it is absolutely okay to tell God that I am angry and frustrated and hurt. And I think that's, that's something that we have lost in the church is, is the art of lamenting. Yeah. Cause we're, we're Puritans. Yes. Yeah. And we, and we don't think we should lament, but at the same time, scripture is full. That's what laments. I was about to say. There's difference. There's a certain way of lamenting. Like I think yes. everybody laments, but I think we've just cut ourselves off. It's that John Wayne Christianity that, you know, tough guy. Yeah. Get with it. I don't think yeah. that's fair for everybody. No, no, um, because not everybody can express themselves that way. Yeah. And, and, 
I mean, I can only imagine your friends probably if they were angry at God, they would they would probably like shout it out. <laughs> they would before God and everybody they would have the conversation. <laughs> Absolutely. You know, and, so and if I, they reacted yeah. any differently for them, that would be weird. Yeah. And it, w- it wouldn't be true to who they are. It wouldn't be true to their person. Um, yeah, I've seen a Pentecostal preacher that I know get pretty righteously mad at God. And it was a shouting match. <laughs> sure. We'll say that. And I and I'm like, you know, pursue, pursue, you, you know, pursue God. I think the key is always, even though I die, I'll still trust in the Lord. Yes. Yeah. Like and if I think you that's, can, yeah. That's a key to to a lament is if you always, I mean, anytime we study laments in scripture, the laments start with with being frustrated and angry, but it always ends with, but yet I will trust in you. Yeah. You know, and, and I think that's key for us as we lament as we express our hurt and our anger and frustration that, that at the end, at the end of it, we come back to, but no matter how angry I'm in, no matter how hurt I am, no matter whatever, I'm still going to trust in you. Just like, just like Job. Yeah. So how do we apply this to our lives? So I like, um, it kind of goes, it kind of follows the discussion question. So he he starts to say, when life presents a hardship, there's a tendency for some to hold God responsible. Occasionally, persons who have, quote unquote, dropped down a church may rationalize that God failed them. Um, other people, uh, you know, respond different ways. I guess that's what I'm trying to say. I mean, like, mm-hmm. you know, no, I'll say, I don't think, I don't know if dropping on a church is equivalent to not trusting God, but I do know that when you drop on a church, a lot of times you don't pursue your spirituality. Correct. Um, so, or some people he has in here may even decide that God doesn't exist, right? Because these things happen. I don't know that that's breaking that even though I die, I'll still trust him. And I, and I just uh-huh. think there's a commitment there. Like, um, mm-hmm. So he says, these attitudes are understandable, but misguided. Job expresses bitterness and calls God to account, but he does not lose faith. In his confusion and pain, he cries out, but it is God he cries to. Yeah. And and that's important. Yeah. So I think um, that's something. So we've talked about that already a little bit. Uh, Then he goes on for, of course, is it 326? 1920. What is 326? Back up there no it's not 326 i didn't think it was i should i i didn't do the verse reference there but um that last or not the last verse but uh 1926 maybe 25 and 26 for i know that my redeemer liveth and that at the last day he will stand upon the earth after my skin has thus been destroyed then in my flesh i shall see god i mean so job job understood that moral arc of the universe coming toward justice like he knew that was going to happen um so, so I guess there's, you know, a commitment, I, I dare I say, I always do this, oh. but it's like a marriage. Um, yes. Like if you're committed to it, it's going to work. Yeah. Might be rocky, but it's going to work in the end because you're committed, you know, yeah. you made vows. And so, and, and I think that's a huge, that's a huge thing for us in, in, especially in the Western culture is understanding our commitment to God. When we, when we accept jesus as our lord and savior what kind of commitment are we actually making you know that's that's huge and i do like also in this section where dr estes points out that the answers come 
but not always in the way or the hour that we expect him to. Yeah. And, and that's, and that's the way it was for Job. And that's going to be the way for us. So even in our lamentations and our frustrations and our hurt and our anger, the answers will come just not, you know, I mean, we like in our culture, the answer yesterday. <laughs> yeah. And again, I mean, we are like, impatient. People. Maybe one of the genius parts of Job is, is that maybe it teaches us because it still doesn't answer the question. No, like this is an entire book about the question, and it but leaves there's with no the answer question. to the question. <laughs> yeah, yeah, and it's and it's not for us to know everything. I think that's another thing that's really hard for us to understand is that we're not going to have all the answers on this side. That some of those answers. Do you think we we'll have answers knows? on the other side? But who knows? Yeah. By the time we get to the other side, maybe those uh, questions are gone. And it doesn't like, matter to us anymore. Yeah, I mean, that's what Dr. Estes says that in one of these. I don't know if it was here, wherever it is. You know, we talk about, we, we want to know all these things. But when we see yeah. Jesus, we won't care one lick, probably. Probably. Yeah. I don't know. But probably not. Yeah. Yeah. So let's, let's close with the last discussion question. How does Jesus' life, death, and resurrection, resurrection, goodness, affect our thoughts about suffering and pain in this world? I think I've already answered it a couple of times in the sense of yeah. it's the perspective. Like, mm-hmm. again, without the death, burial, and resurrection, life, death, burial, and resurrection of Jesus Christ, I would be angry. Yeah. I would be a political ad- activist that would try to make absolutely everything on this earth right. Because if that's my only hope, then like Paul says, we have all pity, our people are to be pitied because this would be it. We get yeah. 80 years on this earth if we're lucky. And if it sucks, it sucks. Yeah. And there's nothing outside. So then you would have to devote your life purpose for that utopia. You would have to because because that's the only way justice could be carried out. You wouldn't have any other options, really. Yeah. Or yeah. be very depressed. That would be my votes. I would be hmm. super depressed about how terrible everything is or i'd be super exhausted because i'd be working to change it (laughs) right Hmm. yeah i can see that i mean the resurrection is the key that that is our hope that is our faith that is our understanding that someday no matter what this looks like here just kind of like joke no matter what this looks like here no matter what happens someday and that is our faith and our hope that's all i got Okay. Well, everyone, I hope you enjoyed this week's lesson. And again, remember to like and subscribe to this channel, share it with your friends, buy somebody a uh, encounter, share with them, invite them to come to class either online or in person, either which way. And until next week, be blessed and enjoy the journey. We will see y'all. Big cat says, big cat says hi. Big cat. Y'all have a good week. Bye-bye. Bye.